Your life consists of your choices and the consequences that come as a result of them. Today, we'll be learning from Mary to look for God's best for our lives. This message is the first in the series, Best Christmas. The message is entitled, Wanting the Best. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will. I want to talk to us this weekend about a new series we're beginning for the Christmas season called The Best Christmas. I love Christmas. How about you? It's an awesome time of the year. I love it when my wife starts pulling stuff out and decorating the house and the tree goes up and it's just an amazing environmental change that happens in our home over the Christmas season. I love going, see, going to see Christmas lights just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, last week, my wife and I went over to, uh, uh, over to Fort Washington area and we saw the, is it Fort Washington, where the Gaylord uh, uh, Hotel is and all the Christmas decorations that are there. If you haven't been there, you ought to go see it. It's amazing just to see uh, uh, the, the lights and the, the, the water and all the stuff they do as a celebration of Christmas, a wonderful, wonderful time. I love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas story. And I want to talk over the next several weeks about the Christmas story in maybe a little bit of a unique way because the Christmas story is not just a story. It's actually stories. The stories of Christmas, the story not only of God sending His Son down from heaven to earth, but it's also the stories of people, people who made decisions when Christ came and is a part of Christ's advent. As we begin this morning, I want to talk to you about some decisions that will lead you to your best life. That's the title of the series. We're talking about the best Christmas. And I want you to say with me these words, bad, good, better, best. Say it with me. Bad, good, better, best. Once again, bad, good, better, best. In fact, you may want to write those words down on your notes. Bad, good, better, best. Every decision that you make in your life will fit into one of those four categories. Just to make sure we're all on the same page this morning, how many of you had one, at least one decision in your life that goes in the bad category? You have one of those? Okay. Some of us have, have a lot of those, don't we? Some decisions are not, not really bad. They're, they're, they're good, but they're not the best. They're not better maybe than something else we could have done. There are things we could have done better. We say that at times. I, I could have done that better. I could have handled that situation in a better way. And so some decisions fit the better category. But there's some things you look back on in life and you say, that was the best decision I ever made. And so as you look at your life, there are categories of decisions. See, decisions aren't just good or bad. Decisions are often bad, good, better, and best. To have the best life, what kind of decisions do you have to make? The best decisions. You can't make bad decisions and have a best life. You can't even make good decisions and have a best life. You can't even make better decisions and have the best life. And so if you're going to have the best life, you have to make the best decisions. And so we're looking during this Christmas season at some folks who made some decisions around Christ's coming. Because there were people on the earth when Jesus came and they had to respond to His coming. They had to make a decision as to what they would do. How would they handle the situation? And there were some actually that handled Christ's coming in a very bad way. Herod was one of those. 
I don't have time today to talk about Herod. We'll perhaps look at him at some other time. But Herod didn't handle the situation very well. But there are others that did handle it well. We're going to talk about Mary and Joseph and the, and the shepherds and the wise men. There were people that did the best thing they could do in the Christmas season and the coming of Christ. And that's what we want to look at today in, a, in the life of a lady by the name of Mary. You cannot talk about Christmas without also talking about Mary because Mary is a very important part of Christmas. And what I want to share with you today is I want to share with you seven things that we see from Mary's life that allowed her to make her best decision in the coming of Christ, in this wonderful event of Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth. Seven things that we learn as an example from her. Now, I like to learn from other people. How about you? I would much prefer to learn from your mistakes than my own. You know why? Because you get the pain, I get the lesson. And so it's always better to learn from somebody else's mistakes, but it's not just good to learn from somebody's mistakes. It's also good to learn from somebody's successes. You can look and see what somebody else did well or how they handled their life the best way. And so we gain understanding for our own lives. And today I'm going to hold up Mary, not that we might venerate her in worship, but that we might look at her life because, remember, Mary was a human being. Mary was not divine. Some, there's some ideas of Mary being divine. Mary was not divine. She was a human being that responded to the coming of Christ in a new, unique way, but she did it in the best way she could have. And so there are lessons for our lives along with an understanding of who she is and what she did. So seven lessons. Number one, if you and I want to have our best life, we have to live a pure life. We have to live a pure life. The human part of the story of Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth happened with an angel, Gabriel, visiting a young lady by the name of Mary. Let me read you the story in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but, but, but how, how can this happen? I, I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will, to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The conclusion of the Annunciation happens in verse 45. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. This story takes you to a little village in northern Galilee, northern Israel, the territory called Galilee. You can visit Nazareth today. 
In fact, next year, about October of 2014, we'll be taking a trip to Israel again. So we would love to have you go with us because we'll take you uh, to the city of Nazareth. You can see it. It's a larger city now, but at the time that we read of it here, a small little village. And in this small little village was a young girl. Somewhere probably under the age of 20. Think about that. A very young lady, 20 years or younger, and there's an angel that visits her. Gabriel the angel shows up in her life and gets her attention because God had noticed Mary. What was it about Mary, this one little girl, 20 years or younger, in this little bitty village in northern Israel, Galilee, that attracted the attention of God? Why out of all the young ladies in Israel, when it came time for Messiah to be born, why did God choose Mary? Why her? Because there were some things about her, as we're seeing here. First of all, we notice that the Bible says that she was a virgin. She was engaged to be married to a young man as well named Joseph, and Joseph and Mary had never had sexual interaction, sexual intercourse, nothing of intimacy that had occurred in that regard between them. She had never known any other man. She had lived a pure life. Now, for some of you are saying, well, yeah, that was way back then. Anybody could be pure back in those days. But the reality was those days were in many ways just like these days. Because there's no difference in morality. If you believe that immorality is something new in our age, you haven't read your Bible. Because the Bible clearly describes the fact that people have dealt with for generation and millennia, they have dealt with the the sins of the flesh, they've dealt with temptation, they've dealt with issues like this. And so you must understand that Mary was pure, not because she was living in an environment that allowed her to be pure, she was living in an environment where, where, where although there was temptation, she had chosen to be pure. When God made the decision to say, I need someone that will bear my child in the earth, and I need a virgin, I need someone that is pure, he was able to find among all the young ladies in Israel, he was able to find Mary who had maintained her purity. Folks, purity is an important part of being used by God. So if you want to have the best for your life, you can't have God's best and live your way. You can't have God's best and choose to live like the world around you or choose to live according to the appetites of your life. You have to make the choice to live according to God's way, and you have to make some hard, difficult, moral decisions about your life. You have to make some key choices about who you're going to be or who you're not going to be, what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. And by the way, moral purity is not just a matter of sexuality. There's a part of it that's there, and that's a very important, significant part that we can talk about in the days to come, but morality is broader than that. It's what you choose to do with your life based upon the laws and the commands of God. Do you choose to live according to what He said is right and what He says is wrong? Do you live within God's boundaries in your behavior, and do you live within God's boundaries in terms of your attitudes? See, purity is important to get the best. If you want the best, you have to choose to be pure. Listen to how Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are what? Pure. For they will see God. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Would you read this one with me? If you keep yourself pure 
You will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. How could God use Mary? Because she was prepared by her purity. Now, for some of you, right now you're thinking, oh, no, I am in trouble. Because my life has not been pure. I have some things in my background or some things in my, my choices of the past that, that where I've gone outside of God's boundaries in some realm of my life. And so maybe at this moment you're feeling the sting of, of guilt, maybe the sting of condemnation. Maybe the enemy is sitting on your shoulder right now and saying, yeah, God can't use you because you've already messed up. Let me tell you something about God. The good news about God is He is a cleanup God. He's a God that knows how to step into your life at any point in time when you're willing to acknowledge your sin and make right things right with God. He's able to step in and say, you know what, I can wash all of that away. I can cleanse those sins from your life. And no matter what it's been in your past, I can make you pure today. Today can be a new day. It can be de- become a day of new beginnings and new purity in your relationship with God. That's why I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 so much it says that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and what's the next word there purify us from all unrighteousness anyone want to say hallelujah that that verse is in the bible are you glad it's there That verse gives us hope. And so if you've messed up, if you say, you know what, I'm not like Mary. I didn't live that way to this point. The good news, you can start today. Your life can begin to be pure from this moment forward because He's the one that washes and cleanses us when we confess our sins. So number one, you live a pure life. Number two, to get God's best, you live a principled life. I want to say it this way. You learn to live wisely. I want to put you back in the setting for a moment when Gabriel visits Mary. Twenty years or younger, young lady, this angel shows up, and you can believe, in fact, the story gives us indication to understand that Mary had a lot of emotions in this moment, didn't she? Let me ask you, if an angel showed up and started talking to you, would you start feeling some things, okay? Oh, you'd have all kinds of emotions, wouldn't you? This is a real story. Your emotions would be all over the map from jubilation to fear to, to what's this all about, consternation and confusion and all kind of emotions would be going on inside of you because as a human being, you've got an angel talking to you. It's an incredible moment. But one of the things I love about Mary in this story is that although she's going through all of the emotions of the moment of seeing Gabriel, she doesn't react to the situation based on her emotions. She has emotions, but her emotions do not lead her in the situation. She makes a choice in the situation that allows her to choose according to principle, not according to emotion. See, life is best lived by principles. She understood some principles. And you will make fewer mistakes in your life if you learn how to structure your life around godly, wise principles from God's Word. See, when you live wisely, you will live rightly. When you live wisely, you'll have your best life. Let me say it this way. You know, there's some decisions in life, listen closely, there's some decisions in life that aren't necessarily wrong, but they're unwise. 
It's not wrong to go out and buy a car you can't afford. But it's not very wise, is it? It's not necessarily wrong to have a Christian friend that maybe you, you can't get along with and you're fussing and fighting with all the time, but it's unwise to make that person the closest person in your life well, because they're going to bring all kind of trouble to your life. And so the point I want to make is some things in life necessarily don't fit between the right or wrong category, but they're in the wise or the unwise category. And sadly, there are a lot of people that make a lot of mistakes in life because they always think, is this right or is this wrong? See, some things aren't right or wrong. There are some things that are right or wrong, but some things are just either wise or unwise. And Mary in this moment chose a wise principled response. And I want you to see what the Scripture says about wisdom because this is how Mary lived. Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 8. Get wisdom, that is be wise. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she, that's wisdom, will protect you. Love her, that's love wisdom, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you or cost all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she, that's wisdom, will exalt you, embrace her, that's wisdom, and she will honor you. Chapter 4, verse 11 says, I guide you in the way of wisdom. So if you want guidance in your life, you have, you have to choose wisdom. You have to choose the pathway that gives you wisdom. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Mary was not frivolous. Mary was not flighty. Mary was not foolish. She was wise. She had a principle-centered life. She chose to live her life on the basis of wisdom. Number three, live a selfless life. Do you want a best life? You have to live a selfless life. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary, she had some plans, didn't she? Her plans were to get married. She had already planned it out. Joseph and Mary had many conversations, I'm sure, about their future, where they wanted to live, what they wanted to do, how many kids they wanted to have. They had plans, just like any young couple will have plans. And here is now an angel showing up in her life asking her to give up her plans. At least for that moment, she had to deal with that issue. Will I let go of what I've been holding on to, the dream of my life, for so long? Will I be willing to let go of it, or am I going to hold on to it? And that was a critical moment for Mary because she would choose, again, either to let go or to do what? Hold on to self. Hold on to self. It's interesting that in a lot in, in, Portions of the world where they trap monkeys for a variety of things. They have an interesting way that they do it, oftentimes. To trap a monkey, quite often they'll put these long neck bottles, large long neck bottles, out in the environment where the monkeys are, and they'll put some aromatic nuts in the bottom of that long jar. And, and the monkeys will come and they will sniff the nuts, desire it, and they will reach their hand into the bottom of that jar and grab a handful of nuts and try to pull their hand back out. And because they're grasping the nuts, they lose their freedom. Because they can't extricate their hand, they can't pull it back out again. And so now because they can't go around with the bottle on their hand, they're now easy prey. 
And how true that is for many of us that in life we go after something that we think we want, we value it, it's what we plan for our lives, it's what we want, we smell the nuts. And when we smell the nuts, we're attracted to the nuts. I mean that in a good sense, okay? And our hand goes into the jar and we grab hold and God says, I just want you to let go. And we say, no, no, I want the nuts. I want that. That's what I want for my life. And God says, no, I have something that is better for your life, something that is best for your life. But for you to receive it, you've got to, you've got to let go. You can't hold on and receive what I have for you at the same time. And Mary was wise enough in that moment to do what? She let go. She said, God, I know you have some plans. I've had some plans for my life, but I'm going I'm to let go and trust your plans for my life. She gave up self there in that moment. If you're going to be used by God, if you want to have the best life possible, you've got to learn to make the same kind of choice as well. Learn how to live a selfless life. Number four, live a purposeful life. The reason that Mary let go of self is because she saw a greater purpose for her life. See, vision motivates you to do a lot of great things for your life. If you don't have vision, there are a lot of things you'll never do. You'll never take the steps you need to take without vision. Vision is a powerful thing for your life. And the greater vision you have of God's purpose for your life, the easier it will be to let go of yourself and yield to God. A lot of the reason why people have trouble yielding to God is because they have vision. They have a vision of the, that God has a purpose for them. But as soon as you're captured by vision, you'll let go of the nuts. As soon as you're captured by vision, you'll be willing to release your plan and embrace God's plan. Notice what happens here in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. See, here in this moment, Gabriel communicated a purpose for Mary's life. Gabriel said, Mary... God has chosen you to be a bearer of His Son to the world. God wants to birth His Son through you and present His Son to the world through you. And dear ones, I want you to understand something this morning. While that was very little literal for Mary, there's something spiritual that applies to you and me as well. Why were you created by God? There are many different reasons why you were created by God, but there's a central purpose for which you were created by God is that God might also use you to be a vessel through whom Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you have different gifts and different abilities. We all are very different, unique in who God has made us to be. But there's something similar for every person here today and every person hearing my voice. The similarity is this. God wants to use you in your uniqueness to bring Christ to a world, to birth Christ through you, to people that need to see the beauty of the Savior, the glory of the Savior, the majesty of the one who is above every name. That great name, Jesus, is to be birthed through your life. It's God's purpose for you. And when you and I begin to be captured by the reality that, God, you mean you want to use me, me, to bring your son to my world? So we all have a world, don't we? 
this world that you live in. It's called your family. It's called your workplace. It's called your neighborhood. It's called your extended relationships. Everybody has a world. Everybody has a sphere of influence. What is your world? Who is in your world? Whoever's in your world, Jesus says, here's your mission. God says, here's a mission for you. I want you to birth, bring Christ to your world. There's a purpose for your life. Notice how Jesus described this in John chapter 15. Read this with me. John 15, verse 16. Everybody still with me today? You're not thinking about snow, are you? Okay, good. Here we go. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Wow, isn't that amazing? You thought you sought God. God came seeking you first, didn't he? I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is to the disciples. It's to us. We are followers of Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to understand something. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I picked you out. Just like God picked Mary out, God picked you out and said, I'm going to use you to bring Christ to the world. Number five, fifth thing that we have to do if we're going to live the best life based upon the example of Mary is learn to live a devotional life. Mary was devoted. She had a deep relationship with God. She learned how to pray. She learned how to seek God. That's how she has this encounter with the angels. She understood something about valuing the presence of God. If you're going to get the best life that God has for you, you have to learn to value a devotional life as well. The presence of God and finding God and the intimacy of a personal relationship with Him. One of the things that that troubles me about our world today is that we live in a very shallow world, don't we? Very shallow. We actually have redefined a lot of words in our world today. We've, we've, We've dumbed them down. We've shallowed them, like the word friend. You know what a friend is today? Someone who likes your Facebook. Okay? Now let's think about it for a moment. Are they really your friend? Are they really your friend? Well, the next time you need money, call them. The next time you're in trouble, reach out and see how many of them really do respond. See, when I was growing up, when you used the word friend, the word friend meant that somebody was going to stick with you, somebody that knew you and had a commitment to your life. They were loyal to you. They had a relationship with you. But now we've sort of, we've, we've shallowed it down. See, we live in a celebrity-oriented culture and a celebrity oriented culture means that we celebrate people and the people we normally celebrate are the people that we view from basically a shallow perspective. Why do we celebrate them? Well, because they made a movie, because they sang a song, because they threw a football, because they put a basketball in a hoop somewhere. That's why we celebrate people. Now, there are some of those who are celebrities that have a deeper life, but the average person celebrates folks on the basis of a very shallow perspective. And God says, if you want the best life, you've got to go deeper. You've got to become a deeper person. You have to learn to live apart from the celebration of the shallow things. You have to love the deeper things. You have to allow me to work in intimacy in your life. You've got to go deeper. Everybody say with me, go deeper. Go deeper. Mary was able to have this encounter with God because she went deeper than the other young ladies around her. She had a deeper relationship with God. Let me say something to all the young people here today. Don't you ever think that you're too young to have a dynamic relationship with God. You're never too young to have an amazing, dynamic relationship with God. 
One of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible very clearly teaches us that you're never too young for God and you're never too old for God. I mean, go back and look at a guy like Samuel. God starts working in Samuel's life when he's a little bitty guy. And take a look at Caleb. God works in Caleb's life when he's 85 years of age. The good news is no matter what your age is today, if you're still breathing, God's got a plan for you. How do you know God has a purpose for your life? (gasps) Okay. If you're still breathing, God has a purpose for your life. So live a devotional life. Let's go to the next point together. We're moving very quickly to our end today. The sixth thing, live a trustful life. Mary learned to trust God. Mary was a lady of faith and confidence in God. Notice verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. This is after Gabriel spoke. May everything, she's saying here, may everything you have said come, uh, said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Notice that she has this trusting relationship with God. And she has, she has the wisdom to trust Him. See, it's never unwise to trust God. Let's look at Samuel 7, verse 28. O sovereign Lord, your God, your words are, what are they? Everything God says is always what? Trustworthy. You can take it to the bank. And you've promised those, these good things to your servant. Do you want God's best? Trust Him. The last thing today, live a worshipful life. There's a wonderful conclusion to Mary's encounter with Gabriel. That, that I love it here. The way she responds, as I just read a moment ago, verse 38. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Then notice verse 45. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would, would do what he said. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. Here's what I want you to see. When the angel Gabriel spoke these words to her, she relinquished her own self, her own will. She let go of her nuts, if you will. Those, those, the, those things of life that she felt like she valued, she released them and embraced God's will for her life. And she also worshipped. She had an attitude of worship in this context. She worships while Gabriel is with her, and she worships when Gabriel leaves her. Important to understand. Because it is easy to worship when Gabriel is with you. Oh, you don't believe that? Let's say that the angel Gabriel came and sat down right there beside you today. And he starts speaking God's word. Do you know what you'd do? Your hands would, oh, hallelujah, praise God, glory to Jesus. You'd become a worshiper like you've never been before. But Mary didn't worship simply when Gabriel was with her. Mary worshiped after Gabriel left her. She had an attitude, a life of worship. It continued on. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She was a worshiper and she received the best life because she made the decision to worship her way through life. I was thinking about Mary as I prepared this message a few weeks ago. I was thinking about the the way that we we, we see her in the Bible. And I wrote some of these things down for you. How she worshipped her way. She worshipped her way by, through the process of communicating the news of her pregnancy to Joseph. You know, that's the only way she would get through that, right? Because you understand what happened, right? She's got to go tell Joseph about this experience, correct? And so she goes to Joseph. Joseph, I need to talk to you. Okay, what's up, Mary? 
Well, I need to tell you about something. I'm pregnant. You're pregnant? Joseph realizes it's not me, so it must be somebody else. And so Joseph's question would have been, who's the father? It's not me, so who's the father? And Mary's response was, God. You want to try to explain that one? Okay. And Mary has to maintain a faith as she goes through that process. She has to maintain a worshipful spirit as she goes through nine months of pregnancy. Any of you ladies who've walked through that know it's not easy, is it? She has to continue to worship through a less than comfortable place of labor and delivery. You know what? She didn't go to the nice maternity ward with all the nice ambiances of of modern day society. She gave birth where? In a barn. She had to worship when Jesus was released to minister to the masses. And so he's no longer just her son in her home. He's now been released to the ministry of masses. He ha- she has to worship her way as she watches her very own son die on the cross. Yes, God's son, but also her son die on the cross of Calvary and give his life as a ransom for our sin. She has to worship her way uh, through the ascension of Jesus on the Mount of Olives when he rises up through the clouds and the, fa- and the angels say he's going to come back again one day. She has to worship her way through the upper room in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. But every time you see Mary in the Bible, what do you see her doing? Worshiping her way through life. And if you want the best that God has for you, let me tell you something. Choose to be a worshiper. And it's not always easy to worship. It's not always fun to worship. It's not always the most most comfortable thing and, 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 and easiest thing for us to do. But you and I, when we make a choice to be a worshiper, we open our lives to God's best. So Mary sets an example for us. How do we get the best? We get the best by living what kind of life? A pure life. We get the the best by living a principled life, wisdom. By living a selfless life, a purposeful life. Realizing that God has a vision for our lives. He has a purpose. He has a plan for us. We get God's best by living a devotional life, being deep in our relationship with God, by trusting Him, putting our confidence in Him, by making the choice that we're going to always be worshipers. It's the beginning point of the journey to the best Christmas. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word today. I ask that You'll take these truths that we've talked about this morning and settle them deeply in our hearts. God, thank you for the story of Mary and thank you for the example that she sets for us. And I pray that we would embrace it for our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey. And today, this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that he stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear his voice, you can open that door and let him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. 
Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and he saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.